Hey family, so we are starting a new series, but before we actually continue, I just want to give a big shout out to Offs, Jackie and Benita and to all of the Arise leaders. You guys did such an incredible job. Thank you for taking the time and investing into us. I'm sure that many of us would agree that it was such a blessing to us and we really appreciate you guys. So as I said before, we are starting a new series um, and it's called Impact. And recently I've been asking the Lord a really big question. I've been asking the Lord, how do you transform a city? And this might sound crazy, it might sound like I've actually lost it, but in actual fact, we can see if we looked at biblical history, if we look at the church history um, overall, we can see that the church of Jesus Christ was so pivotal in actually transforming and renewing culture. We can see that believers, not only did they not at some moments um, contradict culture, they actively intervened and they actually transformed that culture and brought healing into that city, into that neighborhood and also into a nation. And I believe that the church still holds that mandate today. But um, we are actually going to look at all of that um, over the next few weeks. We're also going to be looking at social justice, which I'm really excited about. But today I would like us to look at a concept called a person of peace. And our main reading is going to be in Matthew chapter 10. But before we dive into that, I just want to give some context. So um, in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus almost had like a superstar ministry moment. He did so much in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, he healed the paralytic man and forgave him for his sins. He brought a little girl back and um, back to life. He healed the woman with the issue of blood who had a continuous flow of blood for 12 years. He healed the two blind men. He healed, um, no, he casted out a demon from a mute man and after, the, the, and after their deliverance, the man could speak. And Jesus did all of this in the midst of accusation, in the midst of the Pharisees accusing him. The Pharisees called Jesus a blasphemer, essentially someone who insults God. They called him the ruler of demons, essentially putting him in the same league and category as the devil himself. And they also questioned his moral choices and questioned his godliness. So I just want you to pause and imagine that for a second. Imagine you trying to share the love of God to people, healing the sick, liberating people through the grace of God, and liberating people from torment and oppression. And in your ear, you can hear people questioning your godliness, your morals, and even saying out loud that you are insulting God. If that was me, I would be like, <laughs> wow, like I would be spun. But Jesus, even though in the midst of all these accusation and persecution and gossip, Jesus still persisted forward and he still extended his, his, um, his arms. He still extended the love of God to people. And I just believe that this is a sign to us that despite inward and outward accusation, despite um, when we're being rejected and the persecution we might face, that we are still called to persist and to extend the heart of God to people. And in Matthew chapter 9, this is how um, it actually ends. This is how Jesus ends it. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, 
This is what the Bible says. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'll read that again. It says the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out into to send out laborers into his harvest so what happened here so essentially jesus saw the crowd and he basically saw how broken they were he had compassion for them and out of that compassion he turned to his disciples and he said pray to the lord of the harvest to send out more laborers because the harvest is ripe the harvest is plentiful these people are ready for God. These people are ready to know their saviour. And the Greek word for sent out is ekbalo, which essentially is used many times in the Bible um, to actually, for the word, cast out, to the drive out of demons, the cast out of demons. It is the same word. So essentially, Jesus is saying to his disciples, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to cast out labourers into the harvest, into the world. And this is why um, for some of us, especially when you are in a certain place, when you are in a certain area, you feel this tug on your heart. You feel like almost this conviction to go and speak to um, an individual or to even go and speak to a group of people. And I believe that this tug, this um, thing that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you, I don't think it's just to embarrass you um, in a moment, but I believe it is exactly what we read here in Matthew chapter 9, where the Lord is seeing the brokenness of an individual or for a group of people, and he is thrusting you out. He's, he's essentially ekbalo, he's, he's casting you out into the world, he's casting you out into that um, severe to actually um, to actually reach that person with the heart of God. So right after Jesus feeling that compassion, asking his disciples to pray for the Lord of Harvest to thrust out more laborers, Jesus himself commissions and sends out his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. And we can read this. So let's go to Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 to 14. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to them, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Levius, um, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And what I find so fascinating um, 
about this particular extract. What I find so fascinating here is the diversity of people Jesus anointed and gave power and authority to heal all kinds of diseases and to cast out unclean spirits. You know, some of the disciples were fishermen, another was a tax collector, another was a treasurer, another was a zealot, so essentially a rebel when it, when it came to um, political and religious affairs. And they all had essentially different occupations and different life experiences. But despite all of that, Jesus anointed them all to heal uh, people of all kinds of diseases and to cast out unclean spirits. And I believe that this should be an encouragement to some of us because I believe that some of us perhaps have actually disqualified ourselves from seeing people healed or um, being set free from oppression and torment. Perhaps because we believe that we're not a pastor, we're not in ministry and we're not in any form of leadership. And I just wanna say that it doesn't matter whether you are a lawyer, a consultant, a designer, a doctor, a theology student, a physics student, unemployed, or perhaps a student even retaken. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, Jesus has anointed you to heal the sick, to cleanse those with sicknesses, to raise the dead and to cast out demons. And I would like us to go back to Matthew chapter 10, but to skip to verse 11. And this is what Jesus continues to say. It says, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, so essentially receptive, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon them, upon it. But if it is not worthy, so if they're not receptive, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. And this is where we find the concept of a person of peace. So Jesus is essentially saying that when you enter a city, a town, a neighbourhood, or just a particular sphere, um, he says that look out and seek who is receptive um, to the gospel, who is interested. And he said that if you find a person that's receptive, stay there and do life with them, impart the peace and God's blessings to them and give them an opportunity to know Jesus and to be saved. But Jesus also acknowledges that some people will not accept that and will not be open um, to the gospel. So he, says to, so he says to his disciples to essentially move on and to shake off the dust of their feet. However, I do believe that there are some ways to recognise a personal peace. And I believe there's four main ways. I believe the first way is that this person will welcome and embrace you. I believe the second way is that this person is open to what you have to say about Jesus. I believe the third way is that this person will consider the implications of following Jesus for themselves. And finally, I believe that the last way is that this person will, in some sense, be a neighbour to you. So um, a few months ago, I did a talk called um, Being an Intentional Neighbour, but this person would be a neighbour to you. This person would try to find ways uh, to serve you and 
in, in some ways to be hospitable towards you. Because historically speaking, um, a person of peace, you would actually, if, if a believer was coming to a person of peace household, um, they would actually eat and they would actually sleep. Um, in that person's house. So that person would serve them in where they could. That person would serve them um, where they could. And biblically, we can see that a person of peace was often a gatekeeper to a neighbourhood or a city, that this person actually carried um, influence or perhaps their testimony um, itself carried um, influence where people would hear it. And I remember um, sitting down, having coffee um, with another church leader and he was just telling me the context of his church and the type of neighbourhood his church is in. And he said there's a lot of gang activity in, in the neighbourhood of the church. And he just said, Wale, I just don't know how to connect um, to some of these guys. And I basically just said to him that it only takes one person. It only takes um, you loving one person well, you giving them the opportunity to meet Jesus and they would introduce Jesus to their world. And this is what happened with Cornelius. So with, in Acts, we can see the story of Cornelius where when Peter came to his household, um, Cornelius actually gathered all his relatives and all his close friends to come and hear Peter speak about the living God. And whilst Peter was speaking about the living God, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were saved. And another example is the story of the Samaritan women. You know, when the Samaritan women met Jesus, when um, Jesus moved in word of knowledge, when Jesus basically extended living water, when Jesus extended um, life, her. Um, she went around and she literally said to her whole town, she said, come and meet a guy who told me everything I ever did. And as a result, many in the town came to Jesus, heard Jesus, and they said, because of the women's testimony and also because that we have met you in person, we now believe in you. So church, I want you to ask the Lord. In fact, I want you to ask the Lord right now as I'm speaking, who is a person of peace in my life? Who perhaps have I overlooked? Who is a person that is receptive to the gospel? And just before we finish, I would like us to look um, at one more reading. So this is Luke chapter 14, verse 15 to 24. It says, Jesus replied with this parable. There was a man who invited many to join him in a great feast. When the day for the feast arrived, the host instructed his servants to notify all the invited guests and to tell them, come for everything, come for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they all made excuses. One said, I can't come. I have just bought some property and I'm obligated to go and look over it. Another said, please accept my regrets for I've just purchased five teams of oxen and I need to go and make sure they, could, they can pull the plough. Another one said, I can't come because I just got married. The servant reported back to the host and told him 
of all their excuses. So the master became angry and said to his servant, go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find, the poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. When the servant returned to his master, he said, Sir, I have done what you have asked, but there's still, but there's still room for more. So the master told him, All right, go out again, and this time bring all, all them back with you. Persuade the beggars on the streets, the outcasts, even the homeless. Urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast, so that my house will be full. I will say to you all, the ones who receive an invitation to feast with me and make excuses will never enjoy my banquet. So Jesus shares a parable to describe what the kingdom of God is like. He says it's like an amazing banquet prepared by a master. So just imagine a banquet, a feast, a party filled with, with amazing food, phenomenal music. There's so much entertainment. It's literally going to be the party of the year. And the master sends his servant and says, go and notify everyone that the party, the feast is ready. But one by one, they tell the servant excuses. And he comes back, the servant, and he says, no one is coming because these were their excuses. One person said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Another person said, I have just bought some oxen and I need to try, um, I need to try them out. And another person says, I just got married, so I can't come. And I find the first two excuses particularly ridiculous because with the first one, it basically says, I have bought a field and I must now go and see it. Surely if you buy a field, you would see it first. You won't buy a field, then now go and see it. It's like buying a house and then saying, okay, I'm actually going to uh, inspect this house after I have I have put a down payment on it. It doesn't make sense. And it's a similar vein to the second one where the person said, I have bought some oxen and now I need to try them out to see whether they could actually plough. That's ridiculous as well. Like no one would buy a car before um, seeing whether this car is actually, um, is actually able to function. <laughs> no one would do that. So that's why these two excuses, though, is actually quite foolish. Um, these two excuses and the last one was I just got married so I can't come and sometimes the kingdom of God is like this where the Lord extends an invitation to other people through his believers an invitation for people to do life with him a life of healing deliverance peace provision clarity direction purpose joy salvation and so much more but just like the powerful suggests some people will turn down the invitation to taste and to see the goodness of God. Perhaps, like the parable also says, perhaps due to material concerns or perhaps because they are caught up with other people. And what I find also interesting in this particular um, parable, that after the servant um, comes back, and says that the people that you invited, they all gave excuses, they're not coming. 
Um, the master doesn't say, okay, forget about it, we're closing down the party. The master says, go out and go throughout the city and invite anyone you find. The poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting and the lonely and invite them to my banquet. And you know, some of you might be feeling like this. Some of you might be feeling like, okay, I have actually tried. God, I have tried. I have tried to share the gospel. I've tried to share the gospel with my friends, but I'm not having it. I've tried to um, connect and share the gospel with my colleagues, but they're, they're just not having it. They're not interested. They don't want to come to any of our church activities. They don't want to do any Bible side of me. They don't want to have it. So that's it. I've tried God. But the thing is that God is still sending you out again. Ekvalo. He is thrusting you out into the harvest field because it is right. And the Lord is saying, perhaps go and reach those who are marginalised. Go and reach those who perhaps society overlooks. And compel them by the love of God and tell them that the kingdom of God is accessible for them as well. And another thing that I find very fascinating about this parable is that Jesus does acknowledge that yes, some people will reject the invitation, but he assumes that his servants will at least extend the invitation. And we can see in this parable that the servant the first time is rejected, but the master sends him out again to invite the crippled, the poor, the, um, the lame, the lonely, and the servant comes back and says, Master, I have done all of that. I've invited those who are overlooked in society. And the, he comes back and the master says to him, go out again. There's still more space. Go out, go down the roads that are not well-traveled and invite the people there. And the servant goes and does that. So Jesus makes that assumption that the servant will extend the invitation. And my question to you, Imprint Church, is who did you last invite? Who did you last tell that the kingdom of God is accessible for them? And I'm not saying um, this to condemn anyone, but honestly, who did you last invite to taste and to see the goodness of God? Because I really believe that as believers, we can't afford to be indifferent on this topic. We have to be dissatisfied that there are not enough people in the party. We have to be dissatisfied that we are in the kingdom of God. We are, we are in an analogy sense, in the party, but people are still left outside, confused about themselves, confused about who God is. Who, people who are sick, people who are ashamed, people who are addicted to all sorts, people who are low, depressed and tormented and so on. We can't afford to be indifferent on that. We have to be dissatisfied that these people do not go, do not know God. And it reminds me of a gathering that I went to and this gathering was so much fun. There was great food. The um, hmm, there was really good food. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. There was great food. The music was popping. The DJ was just hmm, just really doing a lot. It was actually a gathering, but yes, it was 
the DJ was just doing a lot um, and the people were just good. You know, those gatherings where you can leave and you're like, wow, I just met some of the best people. These people, those people were phenomenal. And I remember telling my friend about it and I basically just saying, oh my gosh, I met so-and-so person, I so-and-so cooked this mac and cheese and this, the cheese was just, mm. I remember telling my friend uh, the spectacular time I had at this gathering. And uh, my friend said to me, he said, well, an invitation would have been nice. And when he said that to me, that just hit me because... Honestly, I knew the guy hosting um, the gathering and I knew that this guy was one of those the more the merrier type of guys, that this gathering was not exclusive. And guys, I just want to tell you that the kingdom of God is not exclusive. Literally, the more the merrier. So my question to you, Imprint Church, is who will you invite? Who would you let know that the kingdom of God is accessible to them? as well. So I just want to end on a story. Um, we made an announcement that there's going, we're going to start Alpha as a community and I absolutely love Alpha. Alpha is essentially like a short course um, for non-Christians to basically um, know more about Jesus, to discover more about the Christian faith. And a few years ago, um, one of my close friends, um, he did this and he wasn't a Christian and I remember um, I was helping out with Alpha um, at the church I was going to, I was helping out there and um, the first week was really good and when I saw the content, when I saw what was happening, I was like, I just felt this conviction that this could be really good um, for my friend. Um, but I felt really awkward about it because I was like, you know, he's not a Christian. I don't want to feel like I'm forcing um, anything upon him. But I just really felt um, just a tug on my heart to um, invite him. And I remember just uh, awkwardly just sending him a voice note. And I was like, hey, bro, um, there's going to be this thing called Alpha happening at my church. Um, it's basically a place where you can know more about the Christian faith, they give you free food, and it's just a short video, but you basically talk things out, you talk out your perspective and stuff. Um, so would you be up for coming? You've missed the first session, uh, but it, you can come to the second session and all the other sessions uh, starting next week. Would you be up for it? And surprise to me, he actually said yes. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he said yes, and he enjoyed it so much. And it came to the week of prayer, where the session that week, the topic was about prayer and about God speaking to us. And that week, um, after that particular session, he went back home and I saw him the following week. And he said to me, he said, Wale, the Lord spoke to me every single day. He said to me that the Lord started speaking to me about um, my family and why he created me. The Lord started even speaking to me about my character and ways to refine it. And he was just like, Wale, I believe this. And I was, I was just like, I was just in awe of what God did. And um, I remember... I've um, seen him like a few years later because after uh, 
Alpha after he yeah, started believing um, in Jesus, he basically went to different um, countries and he did a bit of work over there. So I didn't see him for a few years. And when he was back in England, we met up and he said, well, like, ever since I started Alpha, I have been reading and praying. I've been reading my Bible and praying every single day. And this happened like how many years ago? And I just was so deeply encouraged because, you know, here's my friend that now believes in Jesus, that now um, has entered into um, eternal life, that's now entered into a life union um, with, with God just because of a simple voice note, a simple invitation that I sent to him over WhatsApp. And I really just want to encourage you guys to just think about a particular person or maybe even um, a group of people that you feel like I can actually invite to Alpha. And if they say no, cool, <laughs> it's not an issue. But just imagine if they say yes. This has the power to transform the rest of their lives and it actually has the power to um, transform their eternity, essentially. So... I'm going to leave it there, guys. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.